Hey, hi everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Eight Figures. This is AJ, the journeyman entrepreneur with another Beyond Eight Figure episode for you. On the show, we talk with top entrepreneurs about the realities of building an eight-figure business, what success really means to them, and hear from them about some of their winning strategies and tactics. Tune in to each episode to learn how to grow your business beyond 10 million, and more importantly, create your own personal legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another show. Today, we have a guest who, besides even growing his own amazing agency, has been at the forefront of public policy initiatives for quite a while. He's been awarded for his agency, the Hayes Initiative, 2021's PR Weeks Awards for Best in Public Affairs. He was on the crisis management team for the Hillary for America's National Advance Team. He's been Vice President of Public Affairs and Policy at GMHC, which is the nation's first and leading HIV and AIDS service organization. He's an advocate of LGBTQ plus community, and he's weaved much of his passions and his intelligence into his life and raising his family. I'm really excited about today's guest because he's been able to move back and forth between public, corporate, and also building his own agency. They do amazing work that they focus on making sure that the whole team is aligned on the values of their clients. They've turned down and made a point of turning down work that doesn't align with everyone, with their focus and their beliefs. And as they're growing from strength to strength, I think it would be really interesting for all of us to learn today about where they're going and how he's going about thinking of growing the Hayes Initiative. So without much further ado, please, let's welcome Anthony Hayes. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. You're in one of my favorite places on the planet, East Hampton right now, and I can see the beautiful sunshine behind you, and I'm very, very jealous. <laughs> Where you are isn't so bad either, but it's, it is pretty great here. Southern Spain has its moments, but yeah, I'm a Long Island boy, so you know getting to see even just a little blur of light. I'm like, it's home. <laughs> it's beautiful. It is in particular right now with the trees changing. It's really beautiful. Don't do that. There's only, there's <laughs> like two seasons. There's windy and warm here and hot, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, we, so, we uh, definitely are having our seasons here. It's been nice. We're finally moving into fall, which feels really great. Uh, I am very, very jealous. Well, I was talking to the audience a little bit earlier just about your background and all this cool stuff. Hayes Initiative is doing, you know, working with so many cool people and the type of efforts you do is very, very interesting. But as you, with your background and, you know, where you've come from, can you maybe share a little bit with us where you see yourself on your own entrepreneurial journey these days? Yeah, it's a great question. I sort of feel like starting the Hayes Initiative was really sort of a culmination of all the years before of my background, my history, sort of working in LGBTQ advocacy in the United States, getting into politics and communication specifically in that arena, and getting to work on a lot of the big stuff I've done. And so, you know, now that we're about to wrap up what is our fifth year of a business and go into the sixth year, you know, we started with one client and then sort of have gone over 35. And I think we're going to get close to 40 and grown consistently year over year, including throughout COVID, which I feel really 
fortunate about. I would say now I I sort of want to keep doing and building on what we do because we get to work in a lot of we're in a lot of spaces where we we're working on causes that we care about. So for example, we're working with the Feminist Institute and the New York Public Library to work on digitization of of women's archives, which are woefully digitized and searchable on the internet, which creates inequity, even just sort of an algorithm search rhythm. So being able to work on that, or most recently, we worked with the Department of Labor here in the state of New York to help them launch what is called the Excluded Worker Fund, which is a $2.1 billion program aimed at providing COVID relief for people who would not qualify for unemployment or other COVID relief that has taken place here in the United States due to their citizenship. And so being able to sort of give people real relief in such a dire time and for such a major organization and have it be a statewide initiative. And then on the other side of that, we work with the major league soccer team here in New York, helping them try to build a stadium. So we run across lots of different things. And because we are able to sort of tackle all those things, it's hard to think about, you know, I I would say in the next five years, my goal would be to grow this versus sort of change it or sell it or move away from it, because it really has become the capturing of all the things I enjoy doing, whether it's infrastructure, whether it's advocacy, whether it's, you know, the government relations side of things, or, you know, helping people with crisis communication, which is about 50% of our business. You know, it's, all the things that I sort of wanted to do when I grew up, um, but I certainly had no real path or quite knew that I would be here. The firm started after working on Secretary Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign in 2016. So it's been remarkable, but I think it's sort of, I'm realizing now my job as an entrepreneur or sort of a business owner is, I think the fact that my job has changed year over year. I've let my job change and got myself out of the weeds and brought in really great people. And, you know, I'm in a place where next year my job really needs to change yet again in a good way. And it's a positive thing because I have a great team underneath me. And in order to keep growing and in order to deliver great results for our clients, you know, I need to be out of the day to day. A little bit more, which is very hard for me because I enjoy the nitty gritty of what we do. And so I think that that's going to be sort of the trajectory, at least over the next two to five years, and then, you know, reassess where I am. With my own agencies back in the day, I was a data analyst way, 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 way back. Let's say the early 90s, and then kind of growing to the point where it's like, oh, if I'm doing work, we're in trouble because there's so many other things that need to be thought out. So I like how you're working on kind of moving out of that and growing. Now, do you see it being more building out to grow Hayes Initiative? Is it more about building bigger and stronger sales capabilities, more team capabilities, partnerships? How do you see that kind of going for you? Yeah, it's a, it's a really solid question. I think it's been like anybody who starts something, it's been a bit of just sort of, is there, 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 right? And so I think we are now at a place where I feel fairly confident that we've proven that there's there, there. I think we've proven that people want to buy sort of the services that we're offering. We have a level of expertise that people seek out. And 
So now the question I think for me that I'm sort of grappling with is, you know, what does for us, anytime we add, you know, clients, we obviously are going to add human resources as well to sort of make sure that we're delivering on those. So those two things are sort of hand in glove on our side. As we grow client base, we're going to have to grow our human side as well. And then, you know, partnership ideas. And, you know, I have thought about, is there maybe smaller firms that I would consider making an offer on and, and, and sort of helping grow that way? Um, and sort of just taking on something that's already a little bit pre-built. Are there certain partnerships that I haven't quite had the time or brain space to really think about when it comes to partnering with a bigger entity that maybe would be interesting to me? But I really sort of love being a fairly, boutique and sort of small and nimble group of people because it does let us sort of move into lots of different places. But I think we're sort of getting to a place where there's certainly more structure than there was in year one. And I think we just sort of keep adding to that structure. And so I'll be interested to sort of see how the procedures and things that we put in place are going to continue to allow us to add on and keep growing because each time we sort of get more efficient, you know, all of a sudden we're like, oh, we have bandwidth. Why are we not pitching that business? Or why are we not doing that RFP? So it's an interesting sort of time. Yeah. And without knowing specifics of where you are, just from that description and my own muscle memory of having been there different, you know, once again, different type of agency than but just like in hearing. I love that period because it's like, you've built this amazing personal brand that's now kind of grown into the Hayes Initiative. And that's going, but now that next step of how to kind of move it, that's, it's always fun because it, it's very different. It's a different type of journey for us. Given, you know, that you are in this transition, you have great company and you're about to transition to even go bigger or possibly bigger. If you go, what's something on your journey that you feel has had the biggest impact on you as an entrepreneur? I think I've always in all my jobs, because in most of my jobs before I started this, you know, I've always been a senior staff of some sort of big organization, whether that's um, when I manage media and communications at the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, which for folks not inside the New Yorker sort of United States area, it's a giant agency that's run by both of the governors in New Jersey and New York and has a $7 billion a year budget, which is larger than most states. And it's responsible for all the airports, bridges, tunnels. It's responsible for the World Trade Center site, which part of my portfolio when I was there was to help the rebuilding efforts after 9-11 and reintroduce the world really to what is there now. And then they have their own police department and a whole series of things. And so in all of those roles where I've been a senior person, I've always had to, I'm very quick to know when someone is not a fit for an organization and to make a quick decision. And I'm also a huge fan of hiring very, very slow. And I think that that's been the biggest, I've noticed the times where I haven't paid attention to that and just the need has been so great that I needed to get someone in. And I sort of knew they weren't the greatest fit. But I would say now in particular, where I am in this transition, I am noticing how much I am sort of relying on that muscle memory of taking my time and just slowing myself down and realizing the next couple of senior hires that we do, you know, it's going to be a team of people that you will be here for 
three plus years, right? They're not sort of on their road somewhere, but they want to sort of work in a consultancy. They like that sort of nimble environment where, you know, we've always been a remote agency. We've never been a brick and mortar where we go in from nine to five. We never had an office. We've always done WeWork and sort of use that facility to provide that kind of infrastructure because obviously every company at times needs a conference room or needs a place. But beyond that, we don't, you know, we're not going into an office. And so I always make the joke that we're sort of millionaires on time and place where we want to live. So I think everybody gets to make some decisions. You know, I have someone who wants to work in LA for a month and and I think that's great because she'll be out there and meeting new people and doing things. And while we're based in New York City and most of us are in the New York City area, I want to build a something that allows people to sort of have that flexibility. And so having a senior team of people and taking the time to hire them right now is going to be the thing where the next, it moves us into the next phase. But I think I'm really focused on sort of like senior to mid-level people and really going quite slow on hiring and making sure that it feels good to them, making sure that it feels good to us, really breaking down job descriptions and expectations very, very clearly, and just taking more time in that space versus just sort of some of the early days of let's just survive and get through the day kind of thing. Yeah, I used to joke and I thought it was fun until years later I realized how lame it was. I used to joke at first, we would do anything the client needed, including take out their garbage. We never had anyone actually ask us to do that, but it came close a couple of times. And that I really do like that intentional focus on the hiring. I am very guilty of having gone through a high growth spurt in my last company where some great, amazing people who did great things, but just didn't fit within the madness that we were with my last company. So yes, I, that focus on intention is pretty important. Now, kind of looking at that you're in this transition as someone who's sort of coming up behind you, you're, you're here and you're taking that step to really play on a much bigger space now. What would you say to someone who is at like earlier, maybe they're not early, depends on where, but in that sort of what I always call that transition, they've got the business has proven itself. As you said, people actually do find value. There is going, but they haven't built the systems that you're working on. They haven't brought in the senior people when they're in the beginning of that transition. What advice would you give to someone in that space? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's Several things, but I think the biggest is you have to, as an owner and as a leader, your job has to change when you start something. And I would say, you know, we were talking a bit before we started, you know, recording. It's my job has changed year over year. And it's been really challenging as a person to get out of the nitty gritty because there's nothing I, more fun. I think it probably I should work on this with my therapist, but there's nothing more fun than like a good crisis management problem, but that's not necessarily where, you know, there's a reason I have a group of people who are really incredible at it. And then rather than necessarily being high in the weeds on it, you know, coming in once they sort of have their strategy versus sort of hovering over them going, but did you think of this? And did you think of that? And just sort of being a micromanager, then that means that the other things that you sort of just described, right? So when I hit year two, year three, 
I realized I didn't have procedures. I realized I didn't know standard operating procedures for when we want to do X, Y, or Z, whatever the thing is that we owe people or do or deliverables or onboarding or, you know, all these things that just sort of exist as a business owner. And if I'm constantly not paying attention to that, then we've laid a really good foundation and now we need to sort of keep building on top of it. And so I need to be able to be in sort of the places that I may not want to be because I enjoy the work that we do and that we create for people. But as an owner, I need to make sure that my team has what they need, that I need to give them space to work, and that I need to focus on different things so that we can keep growing and keep sort of being. But I think the biggest thing is, is when you're right at that place where you've proven that the business is working, that's going to be a time in my mind and in my opinion, obviously, I think what I noticed for myself was my job needed to shift and to change and to focus on different things and to allow my team that I built, that I trust, that I hired to do the work that I hired them to do. And then I think the other thing is to start saying no, because I think generally once you've proven your business model, you probably, if you're like me, tried a couple things where (laughs) you're like, we can do that, but I don't really (laughs) want to do that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I would say once you sort of realize one that your job needs to change because just it should because you're growing and that's what you want. I think really being able to focus yourself and focus your team right at that critical juncture on really delivering at a high level is only at least in sort of the kind of retainer based project business that we get hired for, right? You know, because it really has led to, you know, the reviews and the word of mouth. And, you know, when certain CEOs talking to another CEO is like, oh my God, you need to call Anthony and his team. Right. But that's because we were able to deliver and and we said no to things. And so I think that that's really, it's very hard when you sort of are running and building something new to start saying no and getting more and more focused on like, this is really what we offer. And this is what we're really good at. And that's what I think probably will help push past that sort of, you know, there's multiple transitions in businesses, but I think in that, in the phase that you're talking about, I think that's what helps you push past, or at least it did us. No, I, I agree. I think those definitely are really important because as I said, yeah, I stopped joking that we would take out garbage and it did help a lot, in our, a lot more than that, but still, and it's funny because I remember being in that same thing and I jumped at growth so quickly and then kind of paid for it later. So I like that you use that, let's call it stability, that initial stability where it's all of a sudden like, wait, am I standing? Is uh, (laughs) is it about to blow up? I'm solid. (laughs) I love surfing, but I sometimes feel like running a business is is crazier. But when you got to that space and then you start doing it and you started taking on note, did you look at any type of like coaching program? Um, I know a lot of people are swearing by EOS and all that. Is there anything you kind of used in your? I'm trying to figure out like, yes and no. I think I just, I thought a lot about our team and sort of, uh, we had a, a couple of younger people who were really great, but they're 
writing maybe wasn't where I wanted it. So like I would put them in something or I have some people who are very good at media, but you know, I wanted them to maybe go and run a course somewhere else or do a PR course, right? Because maybe they're better at the government relations side, but you know, and sort of know the PR stuff, but don't really feel overly comfortable. Because I think, you know, we really do run in, in three buckets. We do communications, we do government relations, and we do stakeholder management. So I haven't sort of thought about or put together, I'm trying to think about anything that I've read or done, because I do feel like I'm always consuming stuff. I think the biggest is, is just a lot of the stuff that I focus on or, or, or pick up or read or sort of gravitate toward is about narrowing and is about sort of like knowing what you're good at. And, and sort of, I think for my lessons as, as the owner, again, is just sort of getting out of the way and not, it's very easy to sort of let my anxiety sort of take over and be like, Oh, I need to, I need to know exactly what's, and it's like, it's, I don't really, those are the things that I think and spend quite a bit of time on and writing and journaling and meditating on. Actually, I would love to dive into that because I had such a difficulty in sort of some transition points where we grew in the thin line between the business and myself sadly disappeared, or at least in my own head, and um, let it consume me. How do you go about creating? Because a lot of what you've talked about doing is very intentional. And you know, a lot of people say, oh, you should do X, you should do Y and this. But what I've realized from experience is that stuff sounds very easy, but the reality is to kind of, you know, to even be able to sit in your own thoughts to be clear on what you need is a lot of work sometimes. So how do you go about creating this balance? If that's the right term. I'm yeah, no, I think balance is right. It may feel like an overused term these days, but I think it's a, I've always been a person who, you know, I believe routine will set you free. And I really do focus on that. I focus on making sure that I'm waking up at the same time. I'm, I generally by and large eat the same things. You know, I'm not a complete crazy person where it's like, I only, you know, it, it can only be this. And if it's not this at this time, I can't eat. Like it's not like that, but it is a little, it is, it has, it has a bit of that because it, one, I know that I know at noon I'm going to have lunch and I know this is going to happen. And I just know that I know the things that are important to me because I think a lot of times as people, we get to a place where, you know, we can take it. Well, I have to take care of everyone else. I have to take care of everyone else. And it's like, you know, it's when you're on a, before a plane takes off, you know, they remind you to put your mask on first. And so I think I always sort of think about that. And that's how I think about my routine in our team meetings. We talk a lot about how my team is prioritizing their day and how they're scheduling time to, you know, we have all these clients and we do all these things. And I think it's one of those where I want to make sure that are they scheduling time to actually do the work for the client versus getting, because a lot of what we do is so rapid response and so quick. And so, you know, a client calls and says, can you get on the phone really quick? And, you know, we always want to say yes. And a lot of the times we do say yes. But the other thing is, is that sometimes we need to say, yeah, in an hour, and it can actually keep in an hour. And, you know, and so I want my team to know that they have my permission and I want them to feel empowered to ask the question to the client, could this wait until two o'clock? I'm just tied up with something. And even if tied up with something is 
I need to finish my lunch and then go through my notes or whatever it is for them to be in a much better headspace, they're going to be better for the client. And if the client's like, no, we have, you know, the New York Times calling and blah, blah, then it is what it is and we deal with it. But, you know, a lot of times what you notice is, you know, the urgent rushes out the important every day. And so figuring out how to like really truly understand what's urgent and really needs you to do it this second. Otherwise there's going to be catastrophe because if the important constantly goes away, then you're going to just see burnout in your team. You're going to see burnout in yourself. And so that's why like the routine part for me and how my, I think my team gets a little, I think I'm sure I'm a bit tedious about it, but to the tune of what time are you going to work on that? You know, I, I'm, I'm always making sure that I'm asking the question of the team. Well, when are you scheduling time so that that gets done? You know, and we track our time because, you know, I sort of learned early on, you know, we, we're not like lawyers, but a little bit, we want to understand if like, we tell you that it's going to take eight hours and it took 15, you know, just on the margin of what you're paying us, you know, it's not, that doesn't really work for us. And so we need our time covered, but it's also, it helps us understand that when we're pitching new business, we understand, oh, wait a minute. Well, this is, we know this will take this long. We know it will. That's the blessing of six years is that we really do understand now much more so than year one. But that's also why the routine, how we're scheduling our time, how we're blocking time. You know, I want my team to also know that they can tell me no, right? <laughs> hey, can you talk? <laughs> I'm in the middle of doing the blah, blah. Can we do it in, you know, an hour? Like, you know, Make sure you always ask the question because I think it's I think it's something that we feel like we're letting people down. We can't deal with the thing that's popping up in our head. You know, we have our phones constantly pinging us, pinging us, pinging us, and we feel like we need to respond, respond, respond. And sometimes we just need to like we can respond, but like better to have our whole head in it when we respond versus sort of being of split mind because we're trying to do two things at once, which no one is good at. Yeah. That was a long-winded answer. No, I mean, it is really important because I do think we get out of it. I mean, we hear about time blocking. We hear about these things. But I know from experience that in a sense, sometimes when you feed, when you feed the bad habits of a client, you create a bad client. And it is that balancing point from a service firm, no matter how structured or whatever, that your way of delivering and you know, if you're providing value and diving into their needs, you can kind of, when done right or with the right type of clients, you can create that type of ongoing engagement. But yes, you can chase bad relationships. <laughs> All right, we're going to get into dating. Uh, <laughs> you can chase bad. They feel so good at first. Um, well, oh you, <laughs> we all have the response. You know, we all have the responsibility to train people on how we communicate and how we want to be communicated with. And so if you're constantly responding, then you're training the other person to say, oh, well, why aren't they answering? They answered, they answered, they answered. Why aren't they answering? Why aren't they answering? It's because they know that they're going to get you at midnight on Sunday. They're going to call you at midnight at Sunday. And so I do think like part of our onboarding process with our clients is, is letting them know sort of like, these are the hours we work. Obviously, if it's a crisis, you should call our cell phone. But, you know, crisis means, <laughs> and we explain it because otherwise, you know, we would always be on the, we would truly always be on the clock because, you know, part of the sensitive things that we do, it always feels urgent, right? And sometimes even when you have reporters calling, and even if it's the journal or 
the Times or USA Today or whomever, sometimes letting them take a breath, letting the reporter take a breath and realize that you're not jumping to call them back. You know, like there's cadence to even letting reporters sort of sit and wait to hear back from you. So it's hard controlling the anxiety sometimes, especially doing what we do. Actually, as you were talking, I have a really dopey question for you because while both we have backgrounds, both in service, you're in PR crisis management. Do you ever sit an armchair quarterback secession or any of those other shows? <laughs> Just because I love, you know, I love looking at shows that have business. I'm going, oh my God, they didn't have anyone who ever touched real business, you know, has never done real business when they talk about the show. But then succession, you know, I've been watching them and like, oh my God. Can someone just talk to a crisis <laughs> PR firm about I, how to communicate? <laughs> yeah, you definitely. I've been really the things we've gotten to do, and you know, obviously, being able to work with Secretary Clinton, President Clinton. You know, I've worked at various levels of things, and it's really does sort of when you watch stuff on television, you're like, huh, that is nothing what it's like. And so, you know, I, I find that you do sort of see things. It's hard for me to watch certain shows like Veep in particular. I don't know if you ever watched that. That's that's a little too PTSD for me because that is a bit more what it's like, just the insanity of politics. But yeah, it's very funny watching shows and especially doing what we do for a living. It's a little strange when you see everybody in constant crisis. If you do, I would love to hear so you should actually like do an after show because it's just like sometimes you're just like <laughs> I mean I know very little in that space but I'm like what <laughs> they did what well, it's very hard to like when you have sort of powerhouses like that and you are in what is a true crisis to get everybody's knees buckle in the middle of a crisis and they're like we need to do this immediately and it's like you need to get a hold of yourself and we need to do nothing <laughs> put the phone down. <laughs> We're going to figure out a very systematic and clear approach that is definitely rapid response, but not going to be flying from our seat of our pants, so to speak. So it is a very difficult thing when you're in it. And especially when you're the subject of said crisis to keep your wits about you. Most don't do it very well. Where you are now. And then, you know, as you look forward to kind of growing, how do you define success and how do you think you're going to be defining success down the road for yourself, your personal efforts, your journey as an entrepreneur? It's a good question. I think I always remind myself that I don't, you know, I want to obviously be successful. I want to be driven. I want to be all of those things that I think, you know, all people who start a business are. I'm obviously, you know, one of the metrics is of course money, right? And so continuing to see growth in that, that part of the business year over year has been incredibly rewarding. And I want to continue to see that. But it's funny, the more success that's come and the more we are growing both in the financial side and the human side of it, I think I keep going back to, I don't want to be unhappy. I don't want to be just focused on the bottom line. I want my team and myself to make a good living. I want people to be able to do the things they need to do, have the healthcare. Then, you know, it's like, I try to remind myself that the more we can sort of stay on, for me, the more I can sort of stay focused on 
continuing to grow with the idea of not getting so focused on just tons and tons of money coming in the door because it just leads to really bad decisions. And I think that, I mean, the reality is, is we're doing exactly what I wanted to do. I'm doing exactly the things I want to do. You know, I'm certainly gratefully knock on wood, you know, making a good living. My team is making a living, you know, like everybody's like, everybody's able to do their thing. And we're able to sort of, again, because we are remote, if somebody wants to, you know, we have a team member who's really fallen in love with Austin, and she's going to maybe go work there for a month over the winter, right? And so that's the thing that I think probably fills me more is that idea of we do get to do it differently because we're building it. And so we do get to have you know, I think I would love the idea that people come here and never leave, but of course that's completely unrealistic. But while they are here, you know, I want them to feel empowered. I want to feel empowered. I want people to be making a living. And I, you know, I do want to see us grow in part because the same way that, you know, I see the success in growing with more clients and, and being able to do more projects and obviously making more money, the, so does the team, right? And so we structure it. So we're in the kind of business where if somebody has, you know, if one of the junior team members brings in, you know, a, a referral or a client, you know, like money's coming in the door. I want everybody to be sharing in that because I don't, it's just, I've been places where I haven't necessarily been financially valued and I don't want, I don't want to sort of see that here. And, you know, it is my company. And so I think, you know, there's no question everybody knows that it's all coming in and we're dividing it up, right? And so I want to make sure that when they feel a part of the dividing up and that if they bring money in, I want them to feel like they're a part of it as well. And that's sort of how I define success. I don't really, I don't have like a, uh, once I've crossed the X millions of dollars, like that's not, uh, don't get me wrong. I love money. I don't want to, I don't want to sound disingenuous. I love money. I think it's great. <laughs> I, I want everybody to have it. You've lost but your American the same, citizenship. Sorry. You must go. Yeah, totally. Exactly. I'm very on that front, but I also, I know that when I have solely been focused on money, it has sort of led to either choosing clients that I knew would be a bad client or led to, you know, making rush higher or, and gratefully, we're in a place where we can take a breath and we can be very deliberate. And we have started saying no to people. And the second that we do it, everyone feels better because we know like we were on these meetings with people and uh, that are possibly considering retaining us. And we're like, geez, they are going to be a living nightmare. The second we say no, everyone feels better. And then it's like all their, all that headspace can go find something else where we can focus on sort of the dream clients, right? Like, you know, my fantasy is to be working on all of the people going to space, like, you know, going for a SpaceX or something like that as a client, because I think that's part of the fun too, is just getting to, you know, think about and pitch business and put yourself out there and go for the big, you know, and I will say to all the people who do service business like this, you have to ask for the business. If you're not asking for business, nobody's giving you business, even your friends, right? Like, so I think being okay asking for business is a big part of sort of the kind of company that we run here and and otherwise why are we doing it if we're not if we're afraid to say hey we, you should work with us i we think everyone should work with us i like that because yeah it, it allows you to kind of continue your growth but you're putting the right foundations cuz almost from a counterpoint 
I was going through my head all the times I didn't do the things you were saying. And I'm like, oh my God, I took on, or we had an insane client who probably because we did deal with their insanity, gave us a bigger project. And when I took it on, I remember the team just going, uh, and being like, what did I miss? We got more money. And then they were like, yeah. It's like, oh, they're like, these people are miserable. Yeah. Sometimes you have to be more aware as an entrepreneur. So I, I like that that's such a focus because I've learned the hard way by not having that focus. It's like, oh, things may not keep working. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, I had a, took on a client and he was brutal to my employee. And I just called him up and I said, you know, we're going to, this is notice that we're parting ways. He's like, no, 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 I can't lose you. And I'm like, you already lost us. Like, I'm not going to have my person feeling berated and beat down because you're frustrated about you're not executing the strategy that we laid out in front of you and it's not working and a surprise to no one. So, but you're not going to berate the people who work for me. And cause it's just, it costs too much. It's not, I mean, especially doing what we do, we, we actually do have a choice. And, you know, I would say course in the early days, we absolutely wanted to take every piece of business that came. And there have definitely been times where we've done it and I've seen the mistake. Sometimes you have to make those decisions as a business owner and, and you sort of like, but we always talked about it as a team in those early days where I'm like, this is not going to be fun, but look, we need the business. And everybody's like, okay, you know, so you sort of go at it together, but at least you're acknowledging the elephant in the room that you're possibly going to work for an asshole and, <laughs> and figure out exactly how to like manage that as a team. So your team doesn't feel completely deflated. If anyone wants to learn more about Hayes Initiative, HayesInitiative.com, obviously, but how else can they learn more or engage with you? Yeah, the best way is LinkedIn. I really have sort of moved out of most of other platforms. And yes. so I'm on LinkedIn, but also, you know, it's very easy to just email me, Anthony at HayesInitiative.com. And like, I'm, I have a very sort of open door. If people are interested, I'm happy to have a conversation. Okay. Well, everyone go check them out on LinkedIn. We'll have your LinkedIn profile link. Oh my God. <laughs> Sometime in the show notes and we'll shoot it out there when we have the episode launch. So Anthony, Thank you very much for your time. This today. was great. I really appreciate yeah. it. Well, thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. That was a lot of fun. I really want to thank Anthony for coming here on the show again. Being able to explore his growth and what he's doing with the Hayes Initiative was a lot of fun. I think, like we've heard from many other guests, this idea of being in the transition and focusing on moving himself further and further, as he called it, the weeds, and growing thinking on a higher scale, not just for their own growth, but for what they are capable of doing as a company, that ability to further provide value, to grow the team so they have better opportunities, but then to be able to have a greater touch to larger or broader messages. I think that is something that is very hard because as I know for myself and speaking with a lot of you, it's very easy to get caught in the weeds. I mean, the nitty gritty is why most of us kind of excelled and allowed us to create these businesses we have. And it is that kind of stepping away from focusing on building the team to take care of that and then taking those next steps of what's possible, not what is done, but what is possible to be done. That is very, very hard to focus on. So 
I really love the amount of effort and attention Anthony is putting into this. I also like how he's beginning to kind of, as he looks to that growth, you know, as we've heard from once again from other entrepreneurs, is the idea of exploring. And yes, I may be pushed a little bit into the conversation on this, but acquisitions and what this could or could not look like and the value thereof. It'd be really interesting to talk to Anthony in the near future and see where he is going with this. Nonetheless, the growth they're taking and his focus on it is something well worth doing. I think if you're interested in learning more about them, go check out thehazeinitiative.com which is the Hayes Initiative website, obviously. Also check out his Twitter, which is at Anthony J. Hayes. Some really good stuff. And he's a, and he's a, uh, a New York City football club fan. So that's always pretty cool to see. Living here in Spain, it's always, I'm surrounded by football fans. Um, so it's always cool to see Americans into it also or as most of you are going to recognize it as soccer. But it was really, I think I'm going to spend a lot of time thinking about how he puts his effort in, and then also seeing if I can maybe one day get to talk to him and learn more about some of the inside workings of the Hillary campaign, because that I still think that has to have been one of the most fascinating experiences to have been part of. All right, everyone. Thank you again for listening. Go check out our website beyond8figures.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Go check us out on Twitter, Beyond8figures. We'll have the links for Facebook and of course our Instagram. Love to hear more about what you're thinking about for the importance of how you grow and where you're putting your emphasis on as you take these next steps. So everyone, thank you so much for listening and I can't wait to talk to you soon. Have another great guest. Just learn more about being a deliberate entrepreneur. This episode of Beyond Eight Figures is over, but your journey as an entrepreneur continues. So if we can help you with anything, please just let us know. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who might learn from it. Until next time, keep growing and find the joy in your journey. This is AJ, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.